0: Welcome to Better Odd Sports Betting. Here's our host, Kiev O'Neill and Kyle Hunter. What's happening everyone? Welcome back to Better Odd Sports Betting. Kyle cannot make it today, but we have a great beer-loving fill-in. And Mr. Matt Landys from Props and Hops, Matt, how the heck you been doing after this wonderful New Year?
1: It's going pretty well. First week of the New Year, back to the grind after the holidays. And Kiev. Speaking of beer, we're doing this Friday afternoon. I feel like after we wrap up recording, you and I might uh, both be in the mood to throw back one or two.
0: I'm sure I will be. I still have a couple Christmas ones left, a couple porters and some stouts, so I'll be, uh, you know, jumping in that. My KBS is gone though. I definitely destroyed all that. That's it's uh, some high premium beer these days, especially price wise. But I got some Dragon's Milk left, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be checking that out right after this show as well. Good call. But man, there's a lot to talk about in the NFL. Um, I know that uh, obviously we had the awfulness that happened on Monday Night Football with Demir Hamlin, and uh, you know all our thoughts and. people that prayed for him, and I agree with all that, and I'm glad the NFL did stop that game. But now we move on, and the NFL has finally made a decision to uh, cancel the game. I think that's the best way to do it. We're so close to the playoffs. It's interesting what the NFL did because, you know, they could have did the simple route and say, well, the Bengals were leading, make them win, or um, flip the coin or something like that. But at least they're kind of trying to make it fair by saying, you know, look, uh, we're not going to give you a home field advantage for the AFC championship game. It's certainly weird for Ravens fans that were kind of hoping for that loss, though, you know, that they would have had a chance to play for this title game. But, hey, let's face it, Ravens fans, you've got Lamar this week, so I don't want to hear anything more from you guys. But, um, you know, as we move on, this is all about sports betting, and uh, there's a lot of lines to look at, isn't there, Matt?
1: Yeah, and I think that it's a messy situation logistically in terms of what to do. I think it's great to see that, by and large, the priority has been hamlin's health and there have been some really positive updates there recently so that has been great to see not just the updates but the way that that seems to be taking on the proper perspective across even gambling twitter as much of a snake pit as that can be seems like that's one thing everybody has mostly rallied around pretty well i know the logistics of a possible neutral site afc title game certain teams feel like they're put at a disadvantage by all this it's messy. There's no clean solution. And, and I get that some fans of certain teams or some teams themselves might have some complaints, but, you know, welcome to the real world, yeah. you know uh, you know, stuff happens. It's unfortunate, but I'm, I'm glad that we can start to look forward and at least have some clarity on what's in store this week and in the weeks to come throughout the playoffs.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know, God forbid anything crazy happens again, you know, but you know, the most important thing, the kid's going to pull through, you know, and that's what made me so happy to hear that news and how we woke up and, how he asked if they won the game, and the doctor said, no, you won the game. You won the game alive. I thought that was fantastic. It was great to hear that report. But let's get into a little Saturday action here. Uh, Kansas City is going to be at L.A., and the spread has been hanging around this nine. You know, I mean, nine and a half pounds. I, I kind of think that's still a little bit teaser protection. Personally, I think if uh, you really care about the Raiders and you really uh, – or the Chiefs, I mean, and you like the Chiefs' side, you probably want to wait a little bit personally. I that's what I feel. I don't know if you do feel that way, but if you like the Raiders side, I would still grab that. It's no, I doubt there's a chance that it hits the ten. Uh, total is a pretty high total at fifty-two and a half. Now we know that Jared Stidham is playing quarterback here. Uh, what do you think that the downgrade is on that, and is there anything you like in this game?
1: Stidham is an interesting case study in the sense that we've basically got one week of. Game film on him, and it looked great. I think he exceeded all expectations, we can comfortably say, against the Niners last week. And I wonder if that was why earlier in the week we saw this tick down. I think there were some minus 7, minus 120s for Kansas City. And that seemed to be the point of resistance for the market. A lot of Chief support then flooded in. After this had opened, I believe, at Chiefs minus 10. Some good two-way action in this game. Basically, I think there has to be some sort of anchoring to the Niners being, you know, a nine and a half, ten point favorite last week in Las Vegas, Kansas City, up there with the best teams in the league. I think it's safe to say that from a power rating standpoint, the Chiefs probably a touch better than San Francisco and the Chiefs went into San Francisco and just put the Niners behind the woodshed not too long ago. So if we think San Francisco minus nine and a half minus ten. Kansas city laying significantly less than that. I can see why the chiefs has drawn some support to get back up closer to double digits. But to your point about teaser protection, I'm thinking if we do see any more Raiders money, or if we see this hover around, you know, the minus nine range, even better than nine and a half, a six and a half point teaser might be in play for Kansas city. I'm just waiting to see what this game does along with a game. I'm sure we'll touch on later. The Bengals. currently, both of these are in that range of, you know, borderline seven point teasers, Maybe six and a half point teasers if the Raiders and or Ravens see some support a week like this, I'm in no rush to play teasers. The whole goal of a teaser is to reduce variance and cross through some key numbers. And with the motivation questions or the lineup uncertainty, there's a whole lot of variance. And I like to sit back and let market efficiency be my best friend in week 18. So for this one, Nothing at the moment except for keeping the Chiefs on that shopping list as a potential teaser play, even if it means laying an extra 10 or $0.20 to cross all the way down through the three in a a 6.5 or 7-point teaser should the Bengals oblige as a strong partner to pair with Kansas City.
0: Yeah, I mean, teaser is probably the only way I would look at this. I think this total is even a little bit high for what this game might mean for Kansas City and how the Raiders probably, probably want to try to spoil them a little bit and try to not you know, get them any home field advantage that, you know, they could possibly stop them from. I don't know a lot about Stidham. You know, my downgrade from Carr to Stidham is about three points anyway, because I think if this was Derek Carr in the perfect situation, I I would put the spread at six. But um, I think the Stidham justifies going past the seven. Um, but going to the nine, I don't know. Uh, I do like how the Raiders did match up against them last time. I think they did have a solution for Travis Kelsey, and I can see that possibly happening again just from familiarity. If you remember this game, the uh, Chiefs were pretty big favorites, and this thing all the way went to the end earlier this season. The Chiefs have been just kind of you know, a, a strange team getting backdoored a lot, it, it, just like the Denver game. They're up 28 to nothing, and or they all of a sudden Denver's in the game. <laughs> they possibly can win it, you know. And, you know, sometimes Mahomes tries, it gets a little cute, you know. The Chiefs have been playing a lot of close games. Uh, and it, it, uh, it kind of drives me nuts a little bit seeing, uh, you know, them. they're supposed to be covering these big spreads and they don't. There's no chance I would lay it with nine right now. I would definitely lean to the Raiders. Not really interested in the prop market either on this one. So um, I'm going to pass on this one. But if I get down to uh, like an eight, seven and a half, I think then I would possibly be interested in teasing it Matt.
1: As you touch on the prop market for this one, there is one note I'll pass along. This one, courtesy of Hitman, who I have done props and hops with on Fridays throughout the course of the regular season, specifically focusing on that props market. When we did our show earlier today, he mentioned liking Mac Hollins under 35 and a half receiving yards. And it looks like that's still pretty widely available, flat minus 115 at most shops. And the rationale was that and to your point, Stidham, uh, a pretty big unknown. And we saw, you know, the top of his range of outcomes last week. And if there's any sort of return to earth, I think Hitman also mentioned that even as good as Stidham was in the game against the 49ers last week, Mac Hollins wasn't prominently featured in the passing game. Makes sense with Adams, Waller, Renfro healthy. So a look at Hollins under 35 and a half receiving yards. Uh, I, I can't go against Hitman when it comes to props. He's about as sharp as anybody in the world when it comes to this market. Uh, so that's another one that I have gone ahead and put in pocket as well.
0: I love it because Matt Collins was thriving during the time, mostly when Waller or Renfro or both were out. And now you see this number at DraftKings is 35.5. I'm sure I bet Fred is close to the same. I would, uh, I, I like it. I, that's a great, great look at it. So um, no disagreement with that. I think that is a sharp play right there. So w- wonderful call from the hitman and you on your show, Props and Hops. Let's move on to the next game then. And we have the Titans at the Jaguars. This is back to six and a half. It's been, I know there's some sharp action that hit the Tennessee Titans. I understand the action. It went down to six. Uh, are you v- invested in this game? Or is this a game that you plan on getting invested on in the near future?
1: So I was hoping to see plus seven. I know it flashed at some books, but it didn't last long and it was never really widely available Um, at plus seven. I feel like that's a go for me on the Titans in the six and a half range. I don't know, maybe you can talk me into it. Maybe a game time decision for me on whether or not to bet it. It's one of my, I think, stronger leans at the moment. Basically, I think that Tennessee getting some key defensive pieces back, getting a pretty good advantage this late in the season with a substantial edge in rest they played last Thursday and largely treated that game as a bye week to prep for this showdown with the Jags Jacksonville didn't have to put forth too much effort too late into the game to dispose of the Texans but they played that one on Sunday so between extra rest getting some defensive players returning to health again it can be misleading if you look at the Titans injury report it looks really good They have a lot of production, especially defensively, on injured reserve right now. So I don't mean to imply that the Titans' defense will be at full strength like we would have imagined back in week one. But Tennessee, I think, could be trending in the right direction. Vrabel with extra time, I I like what he might be able to do. And I mean, no disrespect toward the Jags and their surge and what Doug Peterson has done, showing the impact of going from Urban Meyer to a more than competent NFL head coach. So, you know, I still think the Jags very likely to win this game but I think that with the poor recent results we've seen out of Tennessee and the very strong recent results we've seen out of Jacksonville the Jags might be being priced at just a bit of a premium here so I'll see what you have to say I'm on the fence a lean at this point towards Tennessee
0: all right no fair enough and you know Amani Hooker has been out for a while and it looks like he's been uh is questionable now uh coming in I thought he was on injured reserve for a, a big portion of the season um and uh, it's not enough for me because you still have Andrew Adams, uh, Demonte Harris, you have their linebackers, Bud Dupree, Zach Cunningham, that all went out like the end of December. And so they got a little bit more healthy, but from the hit they actually took, I thought it was more massive. And now we're talking about a quarterback in Dobbs that's been just a kind of career backup for a while. And um, I'm sure he's a little bit better than Willis, but you know, putting him in the Ryan Tannehill um, area i i just i'm just not buying that now the jacksonville they couldn't get in their own uh, out of their own way earlier in the season right they're just fumbling and bumbling these <laughs> games away i mean uh, i remember that eagles game they could have won it and then they i don't not only did not win it they couldn't even cover the spread unfortunately my number is a perfect number not including injuries just from what you did the whole season is at 6.3 and so i have to downgrade them a little bit for dobbs i would probably make it at a seven if it was me so um I'm on the opposite side from a lean, but it's not enough for me to get there. Um, I think that uh, uh, if you like a parlay, you know, you can partner it with another minus six somewhere and you're going to get like even money, you know, rather than waiting for a seven and a half. There's no reason for that. I don't think you're going to get a seven and a half, obviously. But um, I always like to parlay the sixes and six and a halfs if you really like that side. So I lean the parlay because I think the Jaguars and Doug Peterson do k- take care of business. And I'm hoping my 18-1 to 1 ticket on Doug Peterson comes through and goes right through uh, Brian Dayball. So maybe when they bench their players this week, when we get to that Giants game, we can talk more about that.
1: I think we might have discussed that previously because I've had that in the back of my mind. Despite the jag surge, they are not getting much attention when it comes to the coach of the year market. And I get that Dable has done a great job. Sirianni's done a great job. Kyle Shanahan working with Brock Purdy. I mean, we can't say enough good things about the way that he's running the Niners right now. But the thought was that if the Jags were to win this division, you know, 18 to one would be pretty lofty for Doug Peterson. He's probably not going to win it. Might not even come in second place, but can feel good about the process, even if the result doesn't follow suit. I did want to make sure also in the prop market for this game to note that there's a lot of attention this week. On contract incentives and players chasing certain milestones. The Jags could be in for a pretty expensive day from a pass production standpoint. I'm going to pull up some numbers here when it comes to Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram, some incentives on the line across the board. Looks like, if I've got this right, Christian Kirk, 91 yards away from a $500,000 incentive. Zay Jones, 98 yards away from a $250,000 incentive. Evan Ingram, sixty-one yards away from a two hundred thousand dollar incentive. So the top three pass catchers for Trevor Lawrence all going to be heavily incentivized to you know trigger some bonuses. With this being a win and in game, I don't think that can become you know the forefront of the Jags' ambitions here. If they have a big lead late and can play around a little bit, maybe they do something to favor one or two of those guys a bit more than they typically would. But where this leads me, given those incentives and also the matchup against the current state of the Titans' defense. Uh, Another prop hitman touched on on today's episode of Props and Hops. Trevor Lawrence passing yards over. It's tough to identify. There's one ball. It's tough to say, are they going to prioritize Kirk or (laughs) Jones or Ingram? If they can even prioritize anybody, depending on how a must-win game plays out for them. But Trevor Lawrence passing yards over would apply well, regardless of who gets the ball in the passing game for Jacksonville. At the time of our recording, this one was around 260 and a half. I look now and it has gone up. I am seeing anything from... 263 and a half to 266 and a half. So as always shop around for the best number, especially in props we can see some discrepancies from book to book. Um, 266 is, and a half is probably a bit steep but I would say anything in the range of 265 and a half or better probably still viable for a reduced stake. I haven't confirmed that with Hitman, but I think if you liked it so much at 260 and a half there's probably still a bit of wiggle room left at the current consensus price.
0: See 265 and a half right here, juiced at minus 115, but that's not like crazy in the prop market. You see a lot of, you pay a lot of minus 115s in the prop market. Yeah, that,
1: that's pretty much it. flat, like minus 110 is for point spreads.
0: Yeah, I think there's a couple books out there that I do know that are a little bit fair about that. But uh, yeah, minus 114, minus 115 is very common in the prop market. You know what's really interesting that I just looked up here? Um, if you look, I want to see where t- Tennessee Titans, how they give up yards to tight ends, they give up 68 yards, you know, per game to tight ends, and uh, that's not good. I, I mean, that's good for Evan Ingram, but it's not good for that team, you know. So they, and this is just a site that gives uh, you know numbers and stats on how teams do on defense against position groups. I use this for fantasy football. I use this for prop bets. So this really pulls me towards the Evan Ingram prop here looking at, uh, the over 61 or 62, whatever you said it possibly will, or sorry, that that's the incentive. I bet you his numbers are actually lower for that. I should pull his numbers up right here. 49 and a half
1: to the low fifties should be consensus for Ingram.
0: Okay. Yeah. No, that's, uh, we are at 49.5 juice to minus minus one twenty-five. So if you want to pay some juice, there you go, or we can sell it down in some books as well you know sell it to 151 or something if you really feel confident about it but um just wanted to throw that out there i'll be making my decision a little bit later on that one itself love the love the uh looking for incentives that's a baller move right there good job looking for yeah. some of those uh it's, incentives it's key i mean i mean i feel bad for trevor Lawrence. Because, like you have a bunch of receivers yelling at you i gotta get paid i gotta get paid while you're in the huddle you know imagine something like that actually happening hopefully uh Hopefully it's not that crucial. <laughs> yeah. And they'll all
1: they'll all get paid more if they can win this game and go to the playoffs. So I think the incentives probably hold a lot more weight in teams with the you know proverbial nothing to play for mindset in week 18. But it's just a scenario where if the Jags have a big lead and it's late and they have a little bit of wiggle room, something worth considering. And then props it's interesting this year. I know that incentives and and milestones have been talked about in years past, and that's absolutely worth considering in the market. But now it seems like the window of opportunity is so small to get down on any edges. A lot of these incentives and milestones are making the rounds in the sports mediaverse before some prop shops have even opened up. So books are getting this info before bettors can even act accordingly. So... I I think it's certainly worth considering for week 18 as a lot of players are chasing contract incentives or certain milestones, but I feel like this year relative to years past, it's not the, you know, not a shoe in by any stretch, just to say that because somebody's chasing a certain bonus, they're going to get it, especially in a game like this where the Jags, you know what, they're going to prioritize winning the freaking game before they even think about some
0: of these incentives. 100%. I think that, uh, you know, that's important to think about that winning the game is the number one, you know, if they can get a couple extra garbage yards at the end, that's where that comes in. They'll be like, Hey Trevor, come on, uh, 75 yards right here. So you might get some of that. Let's move on to the next game. We have the Patriots at the Bills, and some books are at seven and a half. Uh, I'm actually surprised because this is the only book at seven and a half. Right here, it's mostly seven painted across. But uh, you know, if you if you have any outs that can give you seven and a half, definitely look at that one. So it took me a while, but I finally got to the window on the Patriots today. You know, yeah, I was uh, back and forth here about you know the Bills' motivation. You can say two different things. How is it going to affect them? Well, I know they're distracted this week. They've played for the Patriots before, but um there's a big distraction, which can only, I think, hurt them. Now, can you say they're gonna win one for DeMar? Maybe. Uh maybe so. But I think when you're gonna get seven and a half points and you have the situation, you probably gotta look a little bit more towards the Patriots on this one. You know, one thing I did notice is that you know, with the Bills, their injury reports pretty serious itself, you know. I mean, I mean, you have to factor in that Hamlin was an important safety there, you know, he was, and um, It's not like you're going to get Micah Hyde back. You know, Hyde was working out on the sidelines, but he's still stuck on injured reserve. There's nothing saying that he's going to play. And so now you got your other safety out, Hamlin. And then uh, what about Taron Johnson? Taron Johnson was removed for a head injury or a concussion that same game. And then obviously Christian Benford, uh, one of their other corners, was, uh, you know, has been on injured reserve. He might come back. But there's just a lot of banged upness. And this is just a massively important game for the Patriots. I think I almost feel like it's almost like a free roll to grab the seven or seven and a half. So I I did play them for a couple stars. What are your thoughts on this?
1: I'm pretty torn on this one because I totally see the angle that Buffalo has been distracted all week. You know, their practice routine has been completely disrupted and very understandably so. So I think. Practically speaking, they could be in a tough spot. Plus the injuries you touched on. um, It it could be tough for the Bills to get it together for this one. I could also see the case where they're super talented. Maybe they're ultra motivated to go out and win one for Hamlin, given the emotional week that this has been. So that could kind of go either way. Um, I, I don't know how to read those tea leaves exactly. I tend to try to think in more practical terms. So I totally get your look at the Patriots there. One other angle that's getting a lot of talk about this game is that with the Chiefs playing on Saturday night, Kansas City could lock up the one seed. And we know that there's the possibility now of a neutral site AFC title game. So it doesn't totally mean what it used to to get the one seed in this one-off scenario. But for Buffalo, even if they know they can't get that one seed, they would still be playing for the two seed because Cincinnati still has a crack at that if I'm following the circus act of all these logistics properly. I'm highly confident that if Buffalo loses and Cincinnati wins, then Cincy could get the two seed and Buffalo would be the three and the consequences there, Fabian summer pro better on uh, this week's episode on Wednesday on the props and hops podcast, he mentioned that these teams could meet in the divisional round and Buffalo winning this game or losing this game could dictate if they do draw Cincinnati in the divisional round, who gets home field in that one. And we just saw a raucous crowd in Cincinnati on Monday night. You've got to think if the Bills are going to draw Cincinnati again, they'd want to host that game. So even if the one seed is gone before they kick off against the Patriots, they could still have something to play for from a purely motivational standpoint as far as the playoff picture goes. With all this considered, this game could go any which way. I have heard a lot of sharp people who I respect on Buffalo. I've heard a lot of sharp people who I respect on New England, as you are. So this is one where I will be on the sidelines. I think, uh, you know, it'll be a fascinating game to watch. And the Patriots have some playoff ramifications of their own in this case. But I just don't see enough confidence the way I look at it to get in play on the side.
0: Yeah, it would be devastating loss for Buffalo if they did lose this game. I don't, I think they're going to win it. I just think that they're playing a middle of the road Patriots team and you have an injured top team like Buffalo. I think seven and a half is a little bit too much. So um, you know, it's just kind of a good place for the Patriots to pounce. I think Buffalo wins by four to five points, maybe four to six, something like that. Um, I, I just see some value on that, but that's cool. I, I it's, you get si- both from both sides. I mean, my perfect number is 7.3 uh, my algorithm spits out 7.3. So there you go. It's uh monster edge fair.
1: on seven. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. I just have to factor in the injuries and the, in the crazy spot of non-preparation let's move to the bears Vikings game. And I don't know why this thing just went down from seven and a half to six. Um, I know that there's some injuries on the Vikings offensive line. And I think that was part of it, but it's still Nate Peterman with the bears, you know? And um, the weird thing about this is the Vikings are guaranteed motivated because the Niners, the Cowboys and the uh Eagles all play late, you know? So that's, I find that very interesting. It's like, well, they can, yeah, they don't know that they're going to lose. They, they could possibly get a, a number one seed or something here. So it's not like they're out of it. So um, I, I no, they can get the number two seed because the Eagles beat them. So Eagles still have one game over them. So they can get a two seed. I think they're going to want a two seed. I think they win. Um, I think they are motivated for at least the first three quarters. I don't know what they're going to do in the fourth. What are your thoughts?
1: My thoughts are that this is a – pretty strong follow-up to the teaser conversation we had about Kansas City because the Vikings as you said before this just dropped down the Vikings were favored by north of a touchdown and typically if we see favorites in the range of seven and a half to eight and a half that that's a classic advantage teaser play And in this case with the Vikings, they they no longer fit the mold. Uh, I don't know in the last little bit what has happened to move this line down. Maybe it's some of the market just saying, hey, even with Nathan Peterman, we know the Vikings are nowhere near as good as their record. They should not be laying this many points on the road right now. Um, Whatever the case is, again, week 18, proceed with caution when it comes to teasers because on today's Props and Hops – the Vikings were a teaser like that. I mentioned with with a lot of caution. I tried to caveat it, but you know, if I was locking in a bet for show purposes and there was a teaser involved, the Vikings were on it. They have fallen out of teaser territory, so you could be left, you know, holding a bad number if you're too quick to the window. Again, trying to limit variance in the extremely high variance week that is Week 18, with the spread where it is now, I. I get the move on the bears. I mean, I I know that there's not much to like about Peterman, but the, the Vikings winning by margin. And I know there's the possibility they could improve their playoff seating. I just, I know we haven't seen them blow out many teams this season, despite how many games they've won. And yes, it's possible that they can improve their play, improve their playoff positioning, but Looking at how heavily favored the Eagles and Niners are, it seems like quite a long shot. They won't be able to do any scoreboard watching. So to your point, maybe that actually keeps them motivated for longer. I just wonder if they need to be practical and try to treat this week as a bit of a buy because they know it's such a long shot to get a more optimal playoff seed. Maybe it would still behoove them to rest, guys. I mean, I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth here as a way of saying this could go any which way. So once again, for me, like most games this week, it's probably going to end up being a pass.
0: You know, and that's a good call. I look at the cluster injuries. Now the center's out, Garrett Bradbury. But the guard and the t- uh, Brian O'Neill, uh, you know, injured reserve, they're done. <laughs> you know, So I almost feel like, why are you playing a bunch of guys anyway? You got Darius Smith banged up, their pass rusher. But at the same time, you're still playing a second string or third string Bears team. You know, it's, it's still a very bad Bears team. And at least if you still have Kirk Cousins there fighting for his life, which he could be behind this offensive line. Um, you know, he should be able to get some stuff done um, enough to win, but I, there's no chance I'm covering this, touching the spread in this one either. It's a definite pass for me. Uh, one
1: note, if I may, on the prop betting market in this one, not available at most books, but something to keep an eye out for for those willing and able to shop around. You mentioned Zadaria Smith. If I've done my homework correctly, he is half a sack away from triggering a $750,000 bonus. So even if he's a little bit banged up, especially now that it's not just in fields that he'll have to chase down, got to think he'll do everything he can. Some books do post individual defensive player props. Not all of them, um, but with that incentive, I do feel like that might be worth
0: a look. That's an awesome look right there. Absolutely. And uh, the Bears offensive line is not good either. So I can see Peterman, the statue. Uh, becoming the statue back there and getting pounced yeah that's amazing plus you know what if you know he doesn't play you get uh you get uh, no uh, action on the prop they mm-hmm. you know, refund it so that's the way you want to do it um i also want to mention there's a lot of props not out yet because uh there's just so much uncertainty like you're not going to get a lot of props on the dallas fight uh, giants game right now um there's're probably not going to get a lot of uh props on, or sorry the eagles versus giants you're not going to get a lot of props on the Chargers game versus Denver, because that's all reliant on the Baltimore game. So there's just a lot of stuff that's not even going to be listed. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, Baltimore Bengals, the Bengals are now up to minus nine and a half with the announcement Lamar is completely out, which happened like minutes before we started, Matt. Um, it, total 39 and a half. I can only see the Bengals just taking care of business here. I already used the Bengals in a teaser leg. Thank goodness I got this one early, and I got him with a, another team I knew that was motivated. See, you only take a teaser unless you know the teams are for sure motivated. Well, I know the, the Bengals are for sure motivated, and I know the Browns are for sure motivated because the Browns are playing spoiler. There's no reason. There's no. They're not fighting for draft picks. It's not going to be much of a difference. They're going to want to take the division rival, the Steelers, out of the playoffs. Well, unfortunately, now that's past the, the the three and a half. I cannot recommend that. I was really getting excited to do that until I saw this too. So there you go. But unfortunately, they're stuck. Um, I I would say that you might want to take a look at some sack props possibly. Brown is not a good quarterback. He's going to hold the ball. He's got nobody to throw to but Andrews. Maybe you take an over on Andrews. But um, when it comes to bad quarterbacks. Even they can be so bad that they can't even get it to their tight end, which is their favorite big target. So I want to throw that out there. This is a pass right now. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. From a teaser standpoint, closing the loop with the Kansas City conversation, if both teams net out in the minus nine and a half range, a seven point teaser laying no more than minus 140, I think is a good way to get both the Chiefs and the Bengals just to do a little more than win outright. And We might as well kill two birds with one stone here and talk Chargers-Broncos as well, because I feel like Bengals-Ravens is directly correlated to that Chargers-Broncos game in the later window. I think there are two correlated money line parlays that, frankly, I can't fault either one, and at different points this week, I have placed both of them. The Bengals on the money line paired with the Broncos on the money line, because if Cincinnati wins, that Baltimore loss would lock the Chargers into the five seed and the Ravens into the six. I've got it correct I know that a Baltimore loss clinches the Chargers in the fifth seed and then that case the Chargers probably rest everybody they can so that gives a lot of correlation between Cincinnati and Denver Um, I, I know there was a release on Cincinnati this morning that had some influence in the market it was previously available even earlier this morning in the range of plus 120 it's probably closer to plus 110 right now I think any plus money on a Bengals money line Broncos money line parlay has plenty of value And then looking the other way, if the Ravens somehow pull this upset, very unlikely, but if Baltimore pulls it off, then the Chargers do need to show up to try to get a win in Denver to hold on to that five seed. And I keep mentioning the five seed because the difference between going to the winner of Tennessee Jacksonville, a lot bigger than most years with the five seed, considering Tennessee Jacksonville, a very favorable matchup relative to going to Cincinnati or Buffalo, most likely if you're the sixth seed. So with that in mind, If the Ravens can pull off the upset against the Bengals, then the Chargers come to play against Denver. And right now, before we recorded, I checked, it was north of 10 to 1 at most books. That correlated parlay with the Ravens and Chargers on the money line. So, yeah, it's unlikely to hit, but even if it's in the low double digits percentage-wise to come to fruition – that's north of the break-even percentage that you get on the correlated parlay. Thanks to the Broncos and Bengals taking on a lot of money recently, the Ravens and Chargers money lines have really juiced up. So this is probably the best time yet if you're looking to play. Uh, honestly, I couldn't fault somebody playing both of these correlated parlays, and there's a pretty decent chance one of them is going to hit.
0: I don't disagree with that at all. It's a great play. I, I'm i already invested in the Broncos plus three and a half from earlier in <laughs> the week because I've seen this. You've done your job. But I'm not even buying back. This thing gets three and a half and I'm buying back. It's just a situation where it's all Denver after this. Now, of course, I'll be running to the window if, uh, for some reason, Baltimore in the fourth quarter has got a chance to possibly make this upset. So keep that in mind. So uh, always, you know, have money management in mind when you do these things. If you're going to do another parlay and have a little bit on that, you have to cover it, you know. So make sure that you make the right decisions. I just – I don't see much of a scenario – where the Bengals don't cover, or or sorry, don't win, but it's not like it's 14, it's nine and a half. So just be a little careful there. You know, they're a little bit flustered from what happened as well, right?
1: Yeah, and to your point about, yes, it's unlikely. A, all season long, it seems like we've seen unlikely underdogs winning. It it felt for a while into the middle of the season, like the more football I watched, the less I knew about football. So (laughs) we've been taught plenty of times that anything can happen. And just to break down the math a touch more, when we're seeing the range of about plus plus. 1050, 10 and a half to one on that chargers Ravens money line parlay. That's a break even percentage of less than 9%. So even if you just think, okay, it's really unlikely, but if you even assign it a 10% probability, then it's a plus EV move. So it's, it's the sense of placing a bet that you expect to lose. And that can be a hindrance in a lot of ways. I totally understand why, but just looking at it purely from a mathematical standpoint, if you want to be a bit of a mercenary when it comes to value, there are far worse things you can do with your money on this weekend's card.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Ravens win. You got a pretty nice plus money action on the Chargers that should beat a really bad Denver team. So, keep yeah. that in. If mind.
1: the Chargers need it, then they should be able to.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um Well, let's look at the uh, – I wonder if – the books might pull this game off, which would really screw up some people too. (laughs) There's a chance that uh, you might get some shenanigans that, you know, they pull this uh, Chargers game off for a while until they get a good number uh, and find out the end of that uh, Bengals-Ravens game anyway. Mm So be a little careful. Uh, You know, there's – the. Browns Pittsburgh I don't have a lot to say but you know that the Browns are a better team in my opinion than Pittsburgh I played them at the three it's at two and a half it's a perfect teaser if you can find another teaser later in the week uh you know some books will allow you to take the first side and wait on the second side either uh, you know possibly one with the Cowboys if you think they're going to win I I wouldn't do the Cowboys but uh what are your thoughts on anything on that one
1: Yeah, two quick thoughts here. One, like you said, this is my favorite teaser leg of the week. I mean, kudos to anybody who got, you know, plus three or better with Cleveland against the spread. But now that we're locked in at two and a half, it appears that we're going to stay in that range. Really good teaser, low total division rivals. This drives down variance. That's exactly what we want when betting teasers. Finding a second leg, uh, I guess I'll leave it up to anybody in the audience to choose their own adventure there. Because aside from the Browns teasers, In that six point range can be pretty tough to find optimal matches for this week. But I do like your look at the Browns in a teaser. Just keep it in mind. And maybe another game slides into the teaser territory to pair with Cleveland. And from a prop betting standpoint, Amari Cooper over 62 and a half receiving yards. That's one that Hitman brought to my attention this morning as well as we recorded. I'm going to look for the current consensus line to see if it's moved much. I know he's got some market influence. Uh, fortunately, this is one of the few Sunday games where we do have receiving yardage props on the board. Um, yeah, it looks like that's still pretty widely available—some sixty-three and a half, but a lot of sixty-two and a half for Amari Cooper. Rationale: This is a a more low-key incentive, I believe. If Cooper hits a certain, and it's a fairly realistic target this week. He's going to set a new career high in receiving yards. I have to double check myself on that, but um, I think that was Hitman's reasoning. It hasn't got as much attention as a lot of the incentives where somebody might get half a million dollars if they do something. You know, that's more eye popping. This is more of a personal milestone that hasn't made the rounds as much. So the edge could still be there for a bit longer. And it's great to see that the number is widely available. So wanted to put that out there. Also, I know the Browns passing game has been a laughing stock by and large since Deshaun Watson returned, but. This might be a step down in class in terms of defenses that he's facing. The weather doesn't seem like it's going to be as big of a factor as Watson's faced in certain games in Cleveland. We all saw what it was like Christmas Eve against the saints when just being outdoors looked miserable. So as Watson finds his footing, gets some better conditions to deal with a more favorable matchup for Amari Cooper to go over 62 and a half. Again, this is a game where Cleveland, yeah, they want to, you know, knock out their division rival. Maybe Finally dismissed the narrative that Mike Tomlin can't have a losing season in Pittsburgh. Um, I'm sure the Browns want to win this game, but they are one of those teams with quote unquote nothing to play for having been knocked out of the playoffs. So this is a spot where, you know, if everybody knows what Cooper is trying to accomplish, they can maybe funnel things his way a little bit. And Pittsburgh's defense is not the same Pittsburgh defense in years past where they could really put an end to that if they really set their minds to it.
0: That's very possible. I don't think Pittsburgh's got a good defense uh, if they don't get a pass rush. I think it's all TJ Watt pretty much. And if uh, he can't get to Deshaun Watson, which in the past has been a very, I guess, uh, mobile quarterback. You know, then they're going to start throwing the ball pretty good. And I can see Amari Cooper having a massive game here. That's why you've got a little bit higher of a total, 40 and a half with Pittsburgh. It's like you don't see a lot of Pittsburgh totals over the 4 0 lately. So I find that very interesting. This would be a great game to watch, by the way. I think this would be one of the best earlier games to watch. I think that these teams don't like each other. I think they're going to be in their face. Uh, I'm excited for that one. Jets, Dolphins. So this is back to three. Um, minus 115 now, three and a half in some books, total 37. Was this all Joe Flacco announcement for the Jets coming in that ruined it? That's what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah, I mean, this I might have been a bit long-winded on some of the previous games, and I'll start to make up for it here. I've got next to nothing on this game. Flacco, Skyler Thompson, uh, you know, you tell me. I feel like if this game got much above three either way, then cool, there would be interest. But as it stands right now, it's tough to really parse out any edges in this matchup.
0: Yeah, I had three and a half earlier in the week, and I'm upset that I didn't buy back now with the Dolphins. I I thought it'd be white, but he's gone, so there you go. Uh, Tampa versus Atlanta, I'm passing, it's minus four. Um, I just think that, you know, uh, Tampa Bay's backups probably aren't that much worse than Atlanta's starters at this point. Atlanta's been banged up. I think it's probably a pretty good number, so anything
1: yeah, one prop on this one that I, I don't know why I had a bit of a light bulb moment this morning. Um, if you have the DraftKings screen up specifically, let's see if uh, you can check out their game props. Um, on props and hops, my bet was Tampa Bay to score first, and I will break that down. But DraftKings specifically had an offering that seemed a little bit more appealing. So uh, you might have to search around a little bit, but there, there will be a prop. Uh, I think it's still posted. It's to score first and lose the game. It's basically Tampa Bay, like to score first slash money line.
0: Hmm. Okay. Um, I see that. I see some of the game yeah. props, but I don't see score first. So let me go. to If you can, yeah, props.
1: it might require a little command F. I think it was on the game props menu, but um if you can poke around a bit, if not, I'll still break it down. The, the more widely available prop Tampa to score first, the rationale there is that Tampa Bay as a four, four and a half point underdog, that's in the same range as the Lions this week. And I mentioned that because the full game spread is often used to then have books derive the first to score odds and Tampa Bay and Detroit are priced in the same ballpark as the team to score first in their matchups. Big difference here. Tampa Bay is plus four because they're probably going to be resting their starters for most of the game. But for whatever reason, it's looking very likely that they're going to play their starters early on. So even though they're a four point dog for the full game, that is not an accurate barometer in this specific matchup for which team is going to score first. I think most books simply just said, okay, it's a four point underdog. Here's our chart. Okay. Here's the odds on which team scores first Tampa Bay with its starters should be much better than even money or even some plus money out there to score first. I think they should be a pretty prohibitive favorite. That hasn't been the case. So I'd say at even money or better, which I've seen at a lot of shops, that's a bet that I really like just because if Tom Brady is on the field against that Atlanta defense early on, you might get multiple cracks at that one coming home. And then at draft I see um, it right here
0: Tampa Bay to score first and lose is plus 280.
1: There, That's exactly what I had in mind. So because, because the Bucks are likely playing their starters early and then resting them late, I think that gives them a distinct edge to both score first and lose the game. I think the full game spread of Atlanta minus four makes perfect sense. So the Bucks to lose the game, fine. But Tampa Bay to score first isn't properly priced. So therefore on that prop, um, at a lot of books, you can find even money or better on Tampa to score first. And I like that a lot. I like it even better if you can get that plus 280 at DraftKings on Tampa Bay to score first and lose the game. Because once they score first, you're probably not going to see too many players you're familiar with on offense for the duration of the game.
0: No, I love it. That's a that's an amazing find right there. Great stuff. Texas Colts. I'm passing. Uh, I don't want nothing to do with this game. I think uh, anything there.
1: No, I mean Texans. I guess must lose to preserve the one seed. Uh, Jeff Saturday. There's not a Lovey lot Smith to buy on there. That,
0: <laughs> 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 I, I don't think I, Lovey I mean, Smith. You know, It's like it's like give me a contract and I'll lose, buddy.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I think that the players and coaches on the field. Again, there's a lot of narrative with the Bears, the Texans for draft positioning. Oh, you've got to lose. I get it from an organizational standpoint. It makes sense. But whoever's on the field, whoever's coaching on the sidelines, they're putting forth their resume. They're going to be giving it their best. We might see some organizational decisions to sit certain players. And and bottom line, both of these teams, not much to write home about. And when we're looking at bad teams going ahead, I just feel like that's added variance, not knowing who might come through or who might make which blunder. So easy pass for me as well.
0: We have a few minutes left, so I want to fast forward past the Cardinals Niners, the Giants Eagles, not a lot to talk about really from there. I understand there was probably some of the same philosophy to score first for the uh, or sorry, for maybe for the Cowboys uh, versus the commanders. But I just think this game itself the cowboys commanders i guess that's one want to talk about i still think the spread's a little bit high at plus 7 i know the cowboys will be motivated at least through the first half cuz just in case the giants are going the giants if if dave ball plays his starters and tears like an acl or or some c- bad injury that's going to knock him out of the playoffs he it's his ass man <laughs> you know it's, it's he's in trouble i i i know there's a narrative out there that says because you know, the Eagles screwed him over two years ago by benching their players. The Giants are going to get revenge. What's revenge worth? Your job? And he wasn't even there. I, I don't see the Giants win this game. And if I was Dallas, I wouldn't play my starters either because you're not really going to uh, win that division. Um, I know the game's at the same time because the NFL is messing with you. But, you know, in my opinion, I, I think you just play your backups. Uh, I, th- I like Washington a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think that's a classic case. And over the years, it has been quite lucrative of the team with nothing to play for that's just been really ugly recently against the team that is poised to make a playoff run. Uh, Sometimes we see those favorites priced at quite a premium. So I can't fault the look at Washington. I feel like for teams like you mentioned, the Eagles, the Niners, I I would say if I had to, I would lean toward underdogs catching two touchdowns in those games because I feel like it's a matter of get in and get out, very business-like for philadelphia and san francisco this week try to you know do what you need to from a seating perspective i'm sure there's going to be some scoreboard watching going on so if you know if a certain game is going you know as expected when we've got favorites in this range you you can get some guys off the field treat this week as a bit of a buy or in the eagles case go ahead and lock up your buy and then make sure you get everybody out of this one as healthy as possible because for philadelphia the injury bug has really been biting them lately so it's a case, I think, of the late, great David Molinsky, who just last Friday would have been his 62nd birthday, as I've been thinking a lot about him uh, in recent days and weeks. He would often talk about at this stage of the season, must win, not equating to must win by margin. So I'm in no rush to say that the Giants or Cardinals will beat the Eagles or Niners, respectively. But when we see some of these inflated point spreads, I like your look, again, at Washington. Some of these teams, we can safely assume Philadelphia, San Francisco, Dallas, very likely going to win but that doesn't mean they have any sort of incentive to win by margin. They're much more incentivized to try to get their key cogs out of the game as healthy as possible.
0: That's very true, too. You might see a whole like game of second stringers with the Eagles and the Giants. As long as the Eagles are holding an eight or nine or higher point lead, you know I can see that uh, Jalen Hurts definitely going right back to the bench, putting Min- Minchu in to get a little redemption after that poor performance last week. Rams, Seahawks, Detroit, Pac- uh, Green Bay. Uh, these teams are very correlated, as we know. As a Bears fan, I've been crying and yelling about uh, how they set this up pretty well for the Packers all week. But what I will say is that uh, I still think the Lions are going to be motivated. Uh, I, I, I think the Lions are going to come in, and, and I think Dan Campbell's just that fiery coach, be like, you know what, if we're going down, we're taking them with them. You know, it's a division rival. That's what I, so I do kind of like the Lions in here. I have these at two very equal teams. I don't have the Packers that much higher. actually a Schmidgen higher maybe, you know it's like, literally, I think the Lions and Packers are very close. I know the Packers are kind of on a run, but if you looked at the teams they played the Miami without Tua, you know, they've been leaking oil all over the place. I think Detroit's going to cover this one and just going back to the Ram Seahawks, there's all the pressures on the Seahawks on this one. Uh, the Rams are the Super Bowl champs, and maybe they go out being like, okay, well, you know what? Let's, let's ruin somebody's day because we're not going in. We had our little you know honeymoon year where it, it didn't really matter. Uh, let's, let's go out with this big law. I think the Rams are a little bit uh, – uh, I, I would make this line a four, not a six. So what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I'll say, as you were saying that, I think Circa might be listening to our conversation because somebody does not like what I said about must win and not equating to must win by margin. The Niners have ticked up to a 14 and a half point favorite. So maybe 14 is not quite high enough for some of these dogs. Um, Stand by the concept, nevertheless, but seeing some real-time market movement. When it comes to the Rams-Seahawks game, yeah, that's when I was waiting, when this one was sitting on six and a half, I was waiting, given the asymmetric risk, seven being a quite key number, Waiting to see if plus seven showed. Uh never really got there um to any, you know, real extent where it was widely available. At plus six now, that's that's probably my strongest lean that I haven't played yet. So uh I, I would be inclined to take the Rams with the points at Seattle. Um that's that said, again, must win, not meaning must win by margin. I, I still do feel like the Seahawks in all likelihood, win this game. And that could set the stage for an interesting dynamic on Sunday night where the Lions are eliminated before they kick off against Green Bay. If and when Seattle wins this game outright, even should the Rams cover, fingers crossed, I feel like the market is going to have a knee-jerk reaction to inflate this point spread even further in Green Bay. I think the current line of, are we still, we're still four and a half, right? Yeah, even seeing some uh, Yeah, it's five really
0: okay. at DraftKings. It's four and a half in some other books
1: yep yeah so at four and a half or five i think we're already seeing the packers premium built in a little bit i would not be surprised to see this one touch plus six if seattle wins and detroit's you know quote unquote got nothing to play for with dan campbell and this team i don't think the lions are going to let up especially if it means a chance to derail the packers postseason aspirations so uh, right now I, it's it's a Tentative play, it's pending the outcome of Seattle Rams, but it's almost an automatic go for me if we see a plus six or better for the Lions pending the outcome of that Seahawks game against the Rams. A Seattle win would have me expecting to see plus six or better, and I would be glad to accept plus six or better on Detroit at Green Bay. Considering the Lions and Vikings, what we've got to say, those are about equal teams. I mean, we just saw the Lions put a good beatdown on Minnesota. Minnesota last week closed plus three, uh, a soft plus three in Green Bay. So for this one to be at four and a half or five and possibly trending upward, if Seattle gets a win and the market does what I think it will, I just feel like, you know, those extra points, um, you know, nothing's a lock, nothing's a given, but I feel like those extra points could be a bit of a gift for Detroit on Sunday night.
0: It's a big spot for Baker Mayfield as well, you know, coming into this game and, uh, he's looked to be a pretty capable quarterback so far. Um, I know the Rams, you know, don't have the best players. Donald's been injured and he's out for the year, but, uh, you know they do have the probably the better coach and McVay, and um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Rams win. If the Rams did win, does this line go to four? Uh, this Lions line, I think it does. I think it goes the opposite way if the Rams win, so that's interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, if anybody thinks the Rams win, then yeah, I, I could see this going down. I, I don't think it goes to three, but I could see. I would not be surprised if we're looking at Packers minus three and a half with a Rams win or Lions plus six if the Seahawks win. Uh, I think a lot of people would take sixes on Detroit if they showed. Uh, Bottom line, I think the line is fair right now, given that it's pending the outcome of an earlier game. But I think we can confidently say it's not going to close four and a half or five at Lambeau Field on Sunday night.
0: Yeah, I just want to see chaos. The degenerate in me wants to parlay the Rams and the Lions money line, baby. But the smarts in me, the investment investor in me doesn't want to do that at all. But you know how it is. It's going to be a great game. I, I do think the spreads are a little high on both of them. But, Matt, man, we are out of time. Thank you so much for coming on this show and breaking down all these wonderful games, I, all these wonderful prop plays you gave us. I'm um, definitely going to be diving into the sport book a little bit and taking a look at some of those incentives that you uh, mentioned. I knew of a, a few of them. You turned me on to a few. So, uh, uh, really appreciate t- re- appreciate that. Where could our listeners and viewers get your great information and media?
1: Sure, Kev. Always great to connect. Thank you for the invite to rejoin the show. Uh, easiest place is probably Twitter at Mlandis18 and then the Props and Hops podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Yeah, make sure you guys check out Matt Landy's. Very much enjoy beer, very much enjoy the Props and Hops show. Everyone, Good luck this weekend. Enjoy all the games and go get some winners. Thank you for watching Better Odds Sports Betting.